Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mixed Band coming to you live once again from the JK and the Bill Cave. I am joined as always by my good man, Bill Murphy. What's going on, folks? So glad to have you back once again, Bill. And just a reminder of back, I'm always here. He's always here. By the way, we the best, we the best podcast. Thank you, DJ Khalid, for letting us parody. By the way, we the best music. DJ Khaled. I'm sure he's probably a very nice guy. Um, I'm sure he is. Um, I'm sure we don't get a hope. Hope that knock on the door isn't his lawyer. uh, Hopefully not. We'll see. Hopefully not. Um, That'd be a headline. DJ Khaled sues two random guys. That is a headline in the making right there. Yes, Um, it is. Oh, boy. Bill, what is tonight's topic? Okay, we're about to do something very difficult. Strenuous. Immensely difficult that I literally had a mental breakdown while making this list. He really did, ladies and gentlemen. He really did. Okay. Today, we are paying tribute to one of the greatest directors ever. The greatest of all time. The GOAT. The GOAT. He is the Michael Jordan of filmmaking. Yes. The Tom Brady of filmmaking. Who are we talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Hold on. I can't believe I just had to say I just had to say a somewhat positive thing about Tom Brady. But anyway. Oh, terrible. But anyway, today we are paying tribute to the goat of filmmaking, Mr. Steven Spielberg. The dude is great. Hold on. <laughs> one of the best. Oh, hell. Are we bowing We're down? We're not worthy. We're we are not, not worthy. worthy. We're not worthy, ladies and gentlemen. We are not We're worthy not of your greatness. Worthy. Bill is literally bowing down on his knees. Um, okay, so... Anyway, we're going to be honest with you. When we were making, okay, this is what I'm going to call the list. The top five-ish. Yes. Because, okay, this was a process in the making. That's the intro music for this. Okay. We're going to do top ten. But there were some movies I didn't see and JT hasn't seen. Correct. So we uh, said, okay, let's go top five. But picking top five, that's like nearly impossible. It's really difficult. So whatever we have on our list, we have on our list. And don't judge us. (laughs) Don't judge us. There's only one person's opinion whose opinion we will take, whose judgment we will welcome. And guess who that is? Who's Bill? Okay, two, two. Dr. Matt Hemsley. Dr. Matt Hemsley and newly appointed Dr. Justin Favaro. Our two doctors, and they, they, went to, they went to Superview Show School, just saying. No, they got their PhDs from the university. Of Bill. Of Bill. And uh, are we, why aren't we doctors? That's a great question. I'm not sure. You know what? That is a good question, but that question should does not need to be answered now because we have a list to get to. Bill, we're not doctors. We're podcasters. Yes. We are podcasters. And if you want to know more about the University of Bill, call. all you got to do is call 1-800-GOT-BILL. 
and we will Woo. begin our admissions process. Yes. No, the University of Bill is not a real, not, not a real accredited university. Sorry, everyone. We're off I to have to put today. that because then I'm going to get sued, and I don't want to get sued. Neither do I. <laughs> and um, but yeah. Um. Okay. So, okay. This list was extremely hard to make. Yes. Asking me my favorite Spielberg movie is like asking me my favorite Beatles song. That's very difficult too. No, we're not doing that list. We no, if no, you no. thought that mental breakdown was bad, that'll be a hundred times. That will be a hundred times worse. Okay. So we're not dilly-dallying. Um ready to get down to business? Yes. What film are you starting with tonight, Bill? Okay, so my number eight. So I got eight on my list. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. My number eight is Ready Player One. Oh, really? Yeah, I I thought I just thought of this movie today. I'm like, you know what? I really I remember really just enjoying this movie. I really remember just enjoying it. Um Ready Player One is is a story of this kid who lives in like this video game universe and they're trying to get the prize from and they're trying to get the prize from like the ghost of the of the deceased creator of the universe. Yeah. And it's just such a and like this bad guy. And okay, I will here's my one criticism. The villain is an asshole in a suit. That's all he is? He's just an asshole in a suit. Wow. How many assholes in a suit do you know? Eh, not too many. <laughs> but they're assholes in suits. And I would just want to say for the record, not everyone who wears a suit is an asshole. No. No, no. We know many not fine people who wear suits. Um... <laughs> Anyway, but, and you know what? It's just, I love the, the group that they get together. They're, they just work off each other so well. They just work off each other so well. And you know what? They have a bit of an 80s throwback. I did hear about that, yeah. Beetlejuice. There's a quick Beetlejuice cameo. And there's a part when when they're in the scene of the uh, Shining movie. When they're in the hotel. Yeah. Red rum, red rum, red rum. Yes. Reminds me of a hotel I was I stayed at for a wedding one time. <laughs> I was actually at that hotel. I think I told you this story. I was at a wedding for a buddy of mine. Yeah. And I stayed in this hotel, not saying where, but it was like very eerie. It's like when I walk in, I hear in my head the dun 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 dun. And I remember it was with my my folks and my mom said, "I'm just waiting to hear red rum, red rum, red rum." And the two twins go, "Come play with us, Billy. Come play with us." Like, I was just waiting for that. But anyway, this is just such 
has a lot of 80s throwback, a lot of video games throwback. It's, I'm not a gamer, but I just had so much fun watching this movie. I just, and I saw it with, guess who I saw it with? You saw it with Dr. Matt Hemsley. Nope. You saw it with Dr. Justin Favaro. I saw it with Dr. Justin Favaro. Nice. And we loved, we both loved this movie. We both loved this movie. It was a great time. It was a hell of a time. And I really enjoyed Sounds this movie. Have like... you seen it? I have not. It was one of his most recent films, right? 2018. Okay, yeah. A couple years ago. So I I love so yeah, I enjoyed this film. Nice. Good pick. All right. Over to you. All right. I actually have a list of seven. So I'm gonna start at the bottom of my list. So I'll go you go seven, I'll go seven, then we'll just pick up from there. How's that sound? Perfect. So really, it's not really top five tonight. It's just like what films we like by Spielberg that are preference. Yes. But so uh, these, these are we're, we're going to do a top five. In a, oh, yeah. We're get to the top five. We are. My next pick is E.T. Oh, good pick. My number. That's my number seven. And truthfully, some people I feel like bag on E.T. a little bit, even though it's one of his earlier films, like because his first one was like, what, 1975 or six. But no, this was in the eighties. This is eighty two. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hey. Still, guess what? It's what? celebrating its fortieth anniversary this year. Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> you can't sue. You can't get me. YouTube. YouTube. That talk to the public domain. Ha <laughs> Take that. Suck it. Um, but ET. I gotta tell you honestly, ET was one of those movies that like. You watch it as a child or watch it at a young age, and you're like, you know what? It's one of these movies that just really it's a classic. It's about, you know, what if those of you who this is the two people who haven't seen ET get on it? But it's about an alien that comes to Earth and he gets stuck behind. And he meets this boy named Elliot, Elliot and ET Bond. And it's a really, really, really good movie, but it is. You know, it, it, some people don't like it for some reason. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why, but the iconic scene of him on the bike in front of the moon, that that one shot is like a classic cinema moment in general. Like, I love that scene. I love that scene where they go in front of the moon. I love it. I love it so much. In, in fact, not, not, giving, not disclosing our location of where we do the Superview show, but I love that scene so much. I put a crate on my bike when I was younger. I had a bike and I would ride on the bike and I had the crate on it. And I would do whatever I wanted to do. With it. And I was like, I'm, I'm E.T. It was kind of funny, a little pathetic, but that shows the power of movies. So, but E.T., solid movie overall, really great movie. One of the true classics of Hollywood is you can still feel, you can still hear him say, I'll be right here. You know, like, you can still hear it in your head, like, and this and the score, the score, John Williams score. That that could be another show we do too. Top ten John Williams scores. How much time we got? Oh, that that could be next week for man. We'll see. Um, but I will say this. Um, E.T. classic film. When I saw Coldplay actually recently, E.T. the E.T. theme was their walk on, which I found out was pretty cool. 
Um, I thought that was pretty interesting, actually. Um, but I will say, E.T., a classic film in Hollywood history, one of the best movies of the 80s, and it celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. So, E.T., you're a classic. That is my number seven. Bill, what is your number seven? Okay, my number seven is one that you don't think I would really talk about, but okay, I want to give a little disclaimer here. What do you got? As you know, on this show, we really do not like to get political. We don't. Correct. Because um, we're not a political podcast. We're we're an entertainment podcast. But Absolutely. When I am speaking about politics with this pick, I'm talking about it in context of the film. JT and I have our own personal political opinions. We do. But we don't share that because on here because we understand that we have viewers and listeners of all different views who are on the left, who are on the right, who are in the center, and we yep. respect them. That being said, my number seven is called The Post. The Post. Do tell. Okay, The Post, this is actually based on a true story. Okay. It stars Tom Hanks. It stars Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley, the exec, the executive editor of the Washington Post. Okay. And Catherine Graham, who is and Meryl Streep as Catherine Graham, who is the longtime publisher. And okay. it's around this time that Catherine Graham has become the head of the post it was first her father's then passed to her husband and then it was passed to her after her father and husband both passed away um mm -hmm. but she tries to to be that you know try to get along with the at the risk of sounding like at the risk of sounding like i hate I hate people on the top she kind of likes rubbing elbows with the elites mm -hmm. and not getting on anybody's coattails. But Bren Bra Ben Bradley wants to do the news. So what happens is the there was actually a a new in years five years prior to this. The U.S. State Department, a military analyst by the name of Daniel Ellsberg, mm -hmm. pop drops, drops, drops what's called the Pentagon Papers, which were basically saying that presidential administration since the Truman administration basically knew that the Vietnam War was basically a lost cause. Oh, wow. And that there was no point in being there. It gets dropped to the New York Times, and then the government ends up suing the New York Times, but they didn't publish all of it. And it ends up coming to... It ends up coming to... Um, Ben Bradley, through someone who's friends with that person, with that person who leaked it, 
and then it's like all the and then it and then it's just and just Catherine Graham is like no we, we can't piss anyone off we gotta be you know because we don't want to lose we gotta with the integrity of our paper and then we got and then Ben Bradley goes this is the news the American public deserve to know what happened and it's it's kind of like a fight between the two and because Catherine Graham is actually good friends with Robert McNamara for all you history buffs out there who who've heard that name or those who haven't heard that name Robert McNamara was the Secretary of Defense under Kennedy mm-hmm. and then after Kennedy was assassinated he was the Secretary of Defense under Johnson under President Johnson JT if I'm getting too political just tell me to stop um but you're fine you're fine go ahead but then when McNamara basically told Johnson that hey this war's a lost cause Johnson basically fired okay no no Johnson didn't fired him but he gave him another job to basically shut him up um and you know and then so they end up putting this together and Okay, if I'm spoiling it, I'm really not because this is a true story. You can Google this shit. Yeah. Google! Isn't Google great? Google is great. Love to see it. Yes. I'm so pro-free information, are you? I am too. Free information is great. It is so great. But anyway, what happened was... So... it. So, anyway, the... After, like, you know, a lot of it is the fight between Ben Bradley and Catherine Graham. And, you know, there's a scene when Ken Gra- when Catherine Graham is talking to Robert McNamara. And then she realizes it because she's trying to go easy on him because Robert McNamara is her friend. But she then learns you can either be a friend or a source. You can't be both. And mm-hmm. then the paper. And then. There's a scene when Catherine Graham basically tells Ben Bradley, do it. He goes, are you sure there's a chance we can all go to federal prison if this happens? And it ends up happening. And, like, I think, like, a lot of the investors throughout the movie, like, there are talk, like, the investors that, oh, is Catherine Graham ready to handle the paper? You know, it's not like this when her husband or when her father was in charge. And then I remember she said, you know what? This is my paper. I'm running this my way. And they run the leak to the New York Times. No, to the leak is in the Washington Post. And then there is a scene when you're like on the edge of your seat. When they get a call from Deputy Attorney General William, William Rehnquist, I think. Yeah, I think it was Rehnquist. I could be wrong, and you know who's going to correct me if I'm wrong? Dr. Matt Hemsley? Dr. Matt Hemsley, because he has a habit of doing that. But anyway, they say, hi, uh, you are in violation of this, this, and this. Um, We'll give you a chance to retract, and we won't press charges. He goes, we respectfully decline. (laughs) Okay, uh, guess I'll see you in court. And and the case actually ends up going to the Supreme Court. 
and the Supreme Court rules in favor of the paper, because in Justice Hugo Black's opinion, he said the, the press is for the governed, not the governors. In those who don't speak legalese, let me translate that for you. Basically, the paper is for the common folk, not the people in charge. So yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a really good movie. I was just on the edge of my seat, and plus I'm a little bit of a history nerd, so this was all very interesting to me. Sounds good. This was all very interesting, and like this is like a chapter of history that not a lot of people talk about. That is true. Like you talk about, you know, they talk about the Vietnam War and how it was a shit show, but you don't talk about how the government basically knew it was a shit show. But right. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep play off each other brilliantly. And you look and like the different camps, like, you know, how Meryl Streep is like, oh, we have to get into all the we have to get into with all the people in power. That's how we do things. Well, Ben Bradley is like, no, our job is to report the news and tell the public what's going on. And I really I really did like this film. It's a very interesting watch. I'll have to check um, it out. I highly recommend you check it out. All right. Over to you, buddy. All righty. My next pick is given that Spielberg is one of my favorite, one of my favorite directors of all time. And given the fact that he has directed so many critically acclaimed and Oscar level films, this one is a no brainer that it's on my list, but Schindler's list I mean, you want Ooh, to talk that's about on my list too, but I'll talk about more when I get to it. Yeah, that's right. If you, I, if I don't touch anything, you can touch on stuff too. What a film! In general, this is one of the best movies of all time, and it came out what nineteen ninety three? Yeah, nineteen ninety three. It is a. I'm gonna let Bill do go more of the story aspect of it. I'm just gonna talk about some of the facts behind it and whatnot. But this movie is very hard-hitting. It is, as I said, it is one of the best movies of all time. And Liam Neeson is, it's funny, you know, Liam Neeson nowadays is like, like oh, I'm the action hero now. I'm like the super spy guy. Let's not forget, as Liam Neeson in general is a badass, incredible Oscar-level actor outside of just doing action films like, like Taken or whatever. He's done other films that when he does like dramatic roles and he nails them. And this is just, if you've not seen Schindler's list, get on it. It's like incredible. It's long. It is. But long. It's, it's a long movie. It's how long is it? Hold on. I'm uh, forgive me. I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it on a budget of $22 million, it made 300 million worldwide. It's 195 minutes long. Let me just check the rundown. Because I'm checking my facts here just for a sec because I want to make sure I got it right. Just the facts. It's three hours and 15 minutes long. So, but it, it's got a lot of emotion to it. It's got a lot. It's, it's, it's about World War II. If you're looking for another movie about World War II and certain things that happened during that time, definitely, definitely, definitely check out Schindler's List. One of the best movies of the past 40 years, 35, 40 years. 
one of the best. It turns 30 next year. That's how that's how crazy that is. But it took him at 1993. So the same year that he did another film, he did that we're gonna we're probably gonna mention. He did. Yeah, I'm gonna mention this film. All right, but yeah, Schindler, when when you get the when you when we go when Bill gets the Schindler's List, he'll talk about it then. But Schindler's List, a phenomenal movie, like just all around, just it's very very it's it's incredible. It's very sad. But it's a very, 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 very solid film. That is my number, what did I say, six or seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my number six. So, Bill, what is your number six? My number six is another historical Spielberg film, Lincoln. Oh, I was going to I was actually, that's not on my list, but I should have thought of that. Not the car, hold on. The movie Lincoln, not the car with Matthew McConaughey yeah. driving Lincoln. <laughs> um, this is a good one too. This is about the last months of Abraham Lincoln's life of how he's trying to get the Thirteenth Amendment passed. For those of you who failed U.S. history, first of all, shame. Second of all, the Thirteenth Amendment is the amendment that abolished slavery. That abolished that abolished slavery. And you know what I really like? Daniel Day Lewis plays Lincoln. Yeah. And you know what? We get the real Lincoln. And what I mean by that is when we hear about Lincoln, we we think of the the top hat, the beard, the four score and seven years ago. We don't get that. We get you know, we get that Lincoln is a little hunched over and he doesn't have that booming voice. He's, you know, he talks a little more like this. Yeah. And he's always talking about, you know, someone he knew. And and it's just, it's an interesting, my one gripe, and Justin brought this up. Like, this movie is called Lincoln, but like I said, it's not all about Lincoln. It's it's about Lincoln, but it's mainly about him passing the 13th Amendment. It's not like his life story. No, it's not a Lincoln biopic. It kind of is, but it's more about the... The, um... (laughs) But it's it's more about those last months of him trying to pass the 13th Amendment. Right. And... But you know what? I like with the personalities. Like, you know, he has that more humble personality. But then when he talks, he kind of sounds like he's preaching. Once you, once you think about it, he kind of talks like he's preaching. Yeah, a little bit. And, and um, you know, when he's trying to get those representatives to vote for the 13th Amendment. And I, I love this scene when he's talking to one of them. When he go when this one representative was Mr. President, I don't like slavery, but we can't go to full emancipation. And then he's like saying, "Hey, you were saying that they're going to be free, and before you know it, they're going to have the right to vote." That's a good. That's a positive. And and then um, and it's just like I said, if you want Lincoln the myth, you're not going to like this. And, but, you know, it really shows you the relationship between 
Abraham Daniel Day Lewis, who won his third Oscar for this. Like, have you noticed this, JT? I think I brought this up before. Daniel Day Lewis has an Oscar for all three of his names. That's crazy. Daniel Day Lewis. He has an Oscar for each one of his names. Here's my Daniel Oscar. Here's my Day Oscar. And here's my Lewis Oscar. That's that's a crazy feat. I want an Oscar for each one of my names. <laughs> yes, I second that notion. But anyway, but um, but then he's but you know what? Because it's not Lincoln. Because okay, my favorite scene in the movie is right when they're going to vote on the Thirteenth Amendment. Right when they're going to vote on the Thirteenth Amendment. Yeah. Um, these um, African American folks walk in, and the speaker looks up and said. For the first time in history, and the people's house, welcome to your house. Wow. Welcome to your house. And 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 you know, one of the guys who he was talking to earlier, who was going to vote against it, I love that scene when he's standing on the. He goes, "How do you vote, sir?" I, well, well I'm sorry. What was that? We can't hear you. All right, what? I I said, I! And then, like, the... And then, like, the... The, you know, people against the amendment go, Traitor! Traitor! And... And then I remember these two people say, I don't know! I don't know! You know what? Shoot me dead! Yay! They go, you know what? Shoot me dead, too! Yay! And then they're like, Google goes, oh, you know what? I abstained! <laughs> like... You know what? I have stayed as well. I'm like, cowards! <laughs> Just vote yay! I vote nay! You don't shoot me dead! Yay! Shoot me dead too! Yay! Okay, we have stayed. But, and then the, one of, the, this is just, and, you know, like you see the relationship with Lincoln and his, Wife played by Sally Field because they actually lost a son, and that they're still reeling from that. They're still reeling from that, and yeah. how their oldest son, played by J. Joseph Gordon Levitt, is studying to be a lawyer, but he wants to go fight with the army. Right, but he's like saying, "No, your mother would lose her mind." And then his young son, he's just his young son. And it really, and then you you all know the amendment ends up passing, and and there's big celebrations, and and then um and then um there and then I love this scene like towards the end he's going towards um. He's the Civil War is over. He's going to Appomattox, which where everything was signed. And he says to one of the, I think he says to Ulysses Green, he goes, Don't worry, we'll rebuild. We will rebuild. And then anyone who knows their US history, five days later, you know what happens. Yep. Um there was a there's actually and you know what I like when they do the assassination? They do it more from his son's perspective. They 
like his son's at a different theater seeing a play. And then somebody just runs in and goes, the president has been shot at Ford's theater. Mm. And the kid is just crying. And then they show him just laying there dead going, he belongs to the ages now. And then they show his second inaugural address with, with I think a quote that could really seem fitting in our society today. And that quote is, with malice towards none and charity for all, let us now take the steps to rebuild a divided nation. And yeah, but I'll just say this on a lighter note. I love this scene when, when this big battle happens and thousands are dead and I'm like, oh God, I got to get the, the word. And then Abraham Lincoln just goes, you know, this reminds me of a story of a great American hero, Ethan Allen. Go, oh, oh, oh no, oh no. He, he's, in the, he's got that face. He looks like he's going to tell one of his stories. I don't want to hear it. And he's like telling them this story. And yeah, but anyway, what I like about this movie, again, it dives into Lincoln the man, not Lincoln the myth. Right. And that's what I really love about this movie. Cool. Awesome. My go? Go right ahead. All right. We're taking it back to the 70s for this Spielberg film. Close Encounters. Of the third kind. All right, let the shame begin. I've never seen it. Oh my God, Bill. <laughs> this one I don't expect you to, I wouldn't expect you to see like on a whim, but it is really good. Really, really, really good. This is one of the best sci fi movies of all time. One of the best sci fi films ever. So, for those who don't know, the movie's called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. A close encounter of the first kind is sighting a UFO. Close encounters of the second kind is physical evidence. And close encounters of the third kind is contact. So this is about alien contact on Earth. It's Holy about- shit! I just realized something. What? A couple of years ago, I saw a movie called The Fourth Kind. Yeah? And they were listed to things like that. I'm like thinking, was that a sequel to this? No, probably not. I think this was a one-shot movie. Yeah, because that I don't think it had the Spielberg. <laughs> it was a pretty like intense movie. Oh yeah, the probably not. Um, this is one of his earliest films that came out in 1977, same year as Star Wars. Um, funny thing, actually, the movie takes place. It's shot around Devil's Tower, I think, in Utah or the Grand Canyon area of the U.S. Um. Cool. The crazy thing, actually, before the movie was shot out there, my mom actually uh, was on a road trip out there in 76, and she actually camped out right where they shot the movie, and then they closed down the next year for, the, for shooting it. Really? Yes, this has been interesting facts with JT. There's no there's no ring to that, don't worry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, one of my favorite sci-fi films that is outside of Star Wars or Star Trek um, I do enjoy this movie quite a bit. It is a really a great sci-fi film. It's about aliens that come to Earth. Uh, they're not evil. They're not. They don't declare war on the planet like Independence Day. But it is a really solid. If you've never seen it, get on it. It's a really, really, really good movie. Uh, I do highly recommend you check out Close Encounters of the Third Kind because it is one of the best sci-fi films of that time period, outside of Star Wars, of course, and Star Trek. But um, this is a great movie overall. I do love it quite a bit. 
Um, but yeah, the closing guys of the third kind, one of my favorite films of that time period. Bill, that was my uh number five. What is your number five? Welcome to Jurassic Park. Aha. Uh-huh. Great movie. Great movie. We should really do it. We should really do a John Williams score night one night. It's just. It's just such a magical film once you think about it. It really is. It's just when you see the. When they take you to the island and you just see the dinosaurs, it's just has so much of the magic. Yep. It's just so, you're just so taken away about how big the dinosaurs are. Yeah. Such a magical film. And you know what? I have to say it. You know what the best part is? What? Um, okay. Doug Walker, this is for you. Oh my god. Not because in his review of Jurassic Park, he said we now get the best character in the movie. And you see the water shaking and then out comes a Yeah. Bill cracks me up, ladies and gentlemen. What was that? Bill cracks me up, but go on. It's so it's so perfectly paced. Yeah. It's so perfectly paced. The scene is just so perfectly paced. And just the roar. I am awesome. And I'm like, it's just. You, it just seems like you're taken into another world. I agree. And I just love the whimsy of it. And, okay. And I have to say, the Jurassic World, the newest Jurassic World movie sucked. (laughs) Don't you all want to know that? Like the last entry into the franchise, right? It sucked. It absolutely freaking sucked. That's terrible. It it's literally right now a contender for worst for my worst movie of the year. Ouch, that's rough. Yeah. So what's it gonna be? Well, you just have to wait till December to find out. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait till December, ladies and gents. Check out Movie Hall X Productions on YouTube. So anyway, great film though. The movie's great, and I love the score of it. Yes. Oh my god. John Williams, man. We might just have to do a whole John Williams night. We should. That should be like not, not next week, but sometime soon. We'll figure it out. Yes. John Williams night coming soon. Um or, yeah. Or big or film composer night. That's gonna come soon. Watch. Yeah, it's gonna come sooner than later. So anyway, yeah, I really love this film. Awesome. And the movie, it's just so great. All right, what's your one? 
my next movie that I have in my ranking, I guess you could say, for my top Spielberg films, mm-hmm. is actually Jurassic Park at number four. You know what that means? What does that mean, Bill? Well, we haven't done this in a while, have we? We have not. We have not. One, two, three. Two, three. We, we swiped right. Woo! A while. We have not swiped right have in a little bit. I have not swiped right in a while. So are you buying dinner or am I buying dinner? What's going on? Hey, I said I'll buy dinner this time. Where are we going? We're going to go out to get some Mexican food. How about Ooh, that? I love Mexican food. Or, buddy, to quote Ed Sheeran's Shape of You, we're, we're going to get the sweet and the sour. Ooh. Uh, talk about how everything's going okay, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah. Jurassic Park. If my cousins were here, they would be crying their eyes out. They love this movie. They'll be here tomorrow. Um, so you can go watch it with them tomorrow. I might have to watch it with them. They love Jurassic Park. And I do, too. It's a really solid movie. It's a very entertaining, fun, action-filled movie. It led to many spin-off. Uh, no, not spin-off. It led to many other parts of the franchise. Like there's a... Like, it's funny. It was based on a book, but at the end of the book, I don't know if you guys know, at the end of the Jurassic World book, a Jurassic World, Jurassic Park book, the Jurassic Park, we live in a world where Jurassic World doesn't exist. Sorry, I actually like Jurassic World, the first one. Okay, the um, first one was okay. Second one was yeah. eh, third one was crap. Yeah. The Jurassic Park though book, the original book that was based on, they actually ended the book by killing the by blowing up the island so the dinosaurs would not leave. But in the movie, they left it open for the sequel, which we got Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park 3, um, which are good films on their own. Don't get me wrong. But Jurassic Park is a... If you go to any Universal Studios parks in Florida or California, in the U.S., they have tons of Jurassic Park rides. They have Jurassic Park T-shirts and mugs. and It's a really cool thing down at Universal Orlando Resort. I've been there a couple of times. But it's a really... Jurassic Park is just one of the fran- one of the most beloved franchises, I would say, Bill. I'd say that it's one of the most beloved franchises out there. Um, except for the most recent one, of course. But um, I think it's just just an, an overall incredible film. And for CG back in the early nineties, Spielberg did a great job with the computer graphics back then. Forget it. I mean, he he, I I can't even tell if they used props for the t-rex or if they actually used cg you know that's how good it is for 1990 uh 1993 yeah so honestly the jurassic park is one of those films that i do love quite a bit i have the trilogy on the blu-ray set yes i have a blu-ray set deal with it uh godfrey streaming goes down i need to watch something on dvd i can um just saying but I do have Jurassic Park in my DVD library. It is a stone cold classic of the 1990s uh, and, and beyond too. I mean, we've had so many of the sequels since this film, but this film was obviously the best one, clearly. Um, so without. Okay. Um, when you said, when you were saying about um, Universal, I actually got a funny story about um, Jurassic Park and it's also a funny Universal story in my next entry, but um. Universe. It was it was at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. Okay. Um, I was about nine. We went on a family vacation. I we went to um. We went to 
Islands of Adventure, me and my dad went on the Jurassic Park ride. Yeah. You've been on it too? Yeah, in Universal? Yes. Yeah, it's so fun, man. Yeah, because you know what? Like, I first thought the Spider-Man ride was going to be my favorite, but yeah, the, and, and it was okay. But anyway, I remember going on this ride, me and my dad was about nine, and... And, you know, you go through this flume, you see the dinosaurs, and then, Code Red, Code Red! And then you go into this building, like, oh, my God, what was this? And then, do you remember this, JT? The T-Rex pops out, and then you, like, go through this hole and just go down through this water room. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I'm like, holy shit! That was so freaking cool! That was so cool! That's awesome. I remember that, yeah. That was awesome. so cool. Awesome. I'm a motherfucking T-Rex. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah. I mean, Dr- we can talk about Jurassic Park all day. It's such a great, all great night film. Long, all night Lionel Richie? <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. But, anyway. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Jurassic it's Park. My- great movie. What's your next bit? What's your it's number four? My number four. Okay, listen. What's your number four? I have a cop out here. Oh, no. What do you got? I have a tie, just mainly because I totally forgot about one of them. Sure. And so we're going to have a tie. just going to squeeze this in. Yeah, what do you got? My number four is... My number four ties first is... E.T. Phone Home. Okay. Okay, I'll be honest. I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I remember watching it. What was that? It's been a while, yeah. I remember watching it when I was a kid. And and um I remember I was kind of nervous to watch it because yeah. I was at the age when I was a kid. Every, the the freaking Huffalumps and Woozles from Winnie the Pooh scared me. Oh yeah, um, of course they would. Oh come on, that is a creepy scene. It really um, is. But anyway, I remember watching this and it just shows the Spielberg it just shows so much of the Spielberg whimsy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, the Spielberg whims- whimsy. The and you love to see when they disguise him as a girl. That's so hilarious. That was that was actually really funny. Yeah. And you know who that girl was? Who? That was a young Drew Barrymore. Oh, get out, really? Yeah, that was a young Drew Barrymore. Well, how about that? And then, of course, the bike. The how bike scene. Not, how could you not love that bike scene? And when he goes home, you get kind of sad. You do. And then goes, I'll be with you. And then he, and then he goes home and like, yeah, you know what? And here's what I wanted to say. Um, when I went, when I went on my Orlando trip, when I was nine, I went to Universal. Yeah. They have an ET ride. I forgot about that. Is, is it still there though? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. 
Because okay, I think it was in the okay. What I thought was the absolute worst part of Universal. Okay. The Woody Woodpecker Kid Zone. Yeah, no, no one out right there. Yeah, it's um, I don't think it exists anymore. Oh, good. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, and you know who will remind you that I was wrong? Dr. Matt Hemsley. Dr. Matt Hemsley will periodically remind you when I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Hemsley, I was wrong. Happy. Happy. Yeah, but anyway. Um. Anyway, here's what happened. Um. But anyway, the Woody Woodpeckers uh, kids, uh, it sucks. It really does. It really... Yeah. That's really for more if you have, you know... Like toddlers? If you have, like, toddlers. And, you know, because my brother... How old was my brother at the time? He was, like, four. Makes sense. And, you know, they had, like, a Woody Woodpecker thing, Curious George. And the worst thing ever! A day in the park with... with Barney. Let's not even go there. <laughs> Let's be no, real. We, we went there and now we're going back. But anyway, they had the one ride in that area that was cool in that area, and that was the ET ride. Awesome. And I remember my dad and I went on. And it was you had to go on this bike. And you just had to pedal your way and you see, and yeah, there was like an intro from Steven Spielberg that said, you have to help E.T. and his friends. And you just go and you see all the E.T. animatronics. It was so cool. Yeah. They, they were so cool. And probably at Universal, it was either that or the Back to the Future ride, which was probably my favorite. That was a good ride. I, I was on it once. I think they may have removed that one. Truthfully, I forget, but that's a good ride. But um, but yeah, I loved E. I loved the ET ride. It was just, it's just such a fun ride. Awesome. Awesome. I I I got the theme stuck in my head. Well, we're gonna have to do that one night, folks, because now it's what? stuck in my head forever. We, we will one night, I promise. But anyway, um. Yeah, and you know what my tie is, JT? You're going to hate me for forgetting this and having to put it in there. And you're number four. Which one is it? For my tie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm glad you included it. Okay. Like, I just totally forgot about it. If I had to remake that list. See how hard this list is, folks? Steven Spielberg has directed a lot of really great movies, guys. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know you're going to have this on your list soon, so I'm just going to keep it piped down. Um, It's on my list, but yes. But anyway, you love the the quest for the lost art. You love the, again, we have to say it, the score. Yes, John Williams. You look. It's so good. One of my favorite quotes. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah. 
And and it and of course the scenes that scared us to death when we were kids, the face mountain scene. Oh my god, that was terrifying. That almost made it rated R. Really? Almost. This has been random facts with JT. But there's no ring to it. <laughs> Sorry, folks, don't sue us. <laughs> yeah. And if you if you ever get the random facts with Bill ring, you can reach us at one 800 Got Bill. And, and what do they win? You win the, his respect. And a Got Bill t-shirt signed by Bill. By me. Isn't that, that like the best gift ever? We're not kidding. You can actually reach us at the superview show at gmail.com if you get it right. Not kidding. Yeah, if you guess we the song. Random get- facts with Bill. Random facts with Bill. Ow. But um Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. What a classic. Great film. So good. It is so great. I'll touch on it more when I get to it, but yeah. Okay. JT, are you ready for your number three? I am. All right. My number three, ladies and gents, for my our top 10 or top whatever Spielberg films. I'm surprised. I wonder if this is your number one, but Saving Private Ryan. You're going to have to see. Well, I will have to see. But I, what a movie, man. You want to talk about war films? This is one of the pinnacles of perfection as far as war films go. So, I mean, everything from the cinematography to the way that the movie was shot. Uh, that's the same thing. Sorry. The way the movie was shot, the way that Tom Hanks acted, the way that they, everything about this movie is incredible in every aspect. Came out in 1998. Tom Hanks, Matt Damon. I Was Robin, Robin Williams in this one? I forget. I don't know. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. I'm, I'm saying the wrong thing. Um, but Matt Damon, Vin Diesel. There were some really, really, really solid actors in this movie. And the beach scene in the opening of this movie. I'm going to let Bill talk about when he gets there, if, if he has it. We'll see. You're going to have to wait and see. I'll have to wait and see. But this is a really, if you have not seen Saving Private Ryan, what is wrong with you? I'm not going to say to go see it, just what is wrong with you? It's an incredible film. One of the best war films, one of the best films of all time, hands down. So just an overall, I'm, I, I, I really believe this is on Bill's list, but I'm going to see what happens. But yes, an incredible film overall, and I want to just shed some light on Saving Private Ryan. Bill, what is your next? What is your number three? Okay, my number three is Schindler's List. Okay, and I will let you go off on it more than I did. Okay, um, this is actually tells the true story of Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Neeson who yep. was a German businessman who saved the lives of thousands of Jews during the Holocaust. And I'm not going to lie, this is a very difficult film to watch. Yes, very. Like, I've seen this movie... How many times have I seen this movie? I, I've seen it twice the whole way through. I watched it in eighth grade for an English class and then I watched it in 11th grade for a World War II elective class I took. Um, But the movie is just it's just so you know, most of it's in black and white. Yeah. And the girl in the red coat, because I think that is a symbol of hope. Yeah. 
And that is a symbol of hope. And it's just, it's just, and of course, guess what we're going to talk about? What? The score. Yes. The score is absolutely gorgeous. It really is. It's really heartbreaking, though. The the violin, like, played by the world-renowned violinist Ishtak Perlman. Yep. Um, but you know the scenes that really hit me the hardest is there is that scene when they're um when they're liquidating the ghettos. Yeah. And Amon Goff, played by Ray Fiennes, is giving his speech that today will be history. And they're, like, taking them all out and send them off to, you know, sending them off to concentration camps. Yeah, it's a very difficult film to watch. And, I, I wanna, yeah. and Oscar Schindler is watching all this. And he's just in shock. And then there's a scene when he's walking in the town. And there's things in the air. He thinks it's snow, but it's actually the ashes from the crematorium of the concentration camp. Yeah. And and um and when he um Probably in one of when he ends up saving them, and then the war ends up ending, and he um he says, "I have to flee because the allies are going to come in after me." And the night he leaves, um, Isaac Stern, his his um his what you call it um his accountant and assistant. Yeah. Who's Jewish? Yeah. Uh, I skipped one scene. I really this shows. Yeah, he is. Tech, Oscar Schindler is technically a Nazi, but it does show like they're in the business. He um, there's a scene when this rabbi is working on something, and he goes, yeah. "How's it going, Rabbi?" Going, "Oh, very good, Head Director." He goes, well, "What's today, Friday?" He goes, "Oh, yes, I think it is Friday." And then he goes, "What's wrong with you?" What? What? The Sabbath? Because Friday in the Jewish faith that begins the Sabbath. Right. And he goes, You'll I'll let I got some wine in my office. You can have your service. And but then okay, so war's over. He's about to leave, and Isaac Stern, his accountant, gives him this ring. And it says one man who saves one life saves the world entire. And he drops them and goes, I could have done more. I could have done more. This pin, this coat, this is worth money. I could help you guys. He goes, you did enough. And then he goes away. And then like the last scene shows. And then the last scene shows the end of the war. And Herman Goff who is played by Ray Fiennes, gets his punishment, he gets hung, and his final words, Hyatt Hitler. I'm like, yeah, how'd that work out? 
not well. And then the this ending, I cannot talk about this with a straight face. The end of the film, it shows the Schindler Jews today, or back then when they were alive. You know what I mean? And yeah. they're with the actors who played them. Oh, wow. They're with the actors who played them in the film. Yeah. And they're walking by Oscar Schindler's grave and putting a stone on it. In the Jewish custom, that's how, like, how we put flowers on the grave. They do that, like, out of respect. Yeah, yeah. And the theme is playing... You know, the actors who play them and, you know, the Schindler Jews who are deceased, they have like their spouses with them. Like Isaac Stern, he passed away before the film. He passed away a few years prior. So his wife was there. And Mrs. Schindler. And then this last shot. When the film... When the film just, when the it goes to black and you see a man with no face putting a rose on Schindler's grave, you know who that man was? Who? That was Liam Neeson. Oh, good out, really? Yeah, he said, I didn't want to be seen. Huh. And then it reads, in, million, in memory of the six million Jews that Adolf Hitler murdered. And. Wow. And I, what I really like about this film is this was a personal project for Steven Spielberg. Because Spielberg is Jewish. Mm. And I actually, you know, I've read his... Actually, when I was in like eighth grade in my English class, I actually did a report on Steven Spielberg. Oh, cool. And, and I remember reading the book and I actually watched a documentary on him. He actually got he actually got bullied for being Jewish. That's terrible. And he was ashamed of being Jewish. Like he would tell a story about about how his grandfather, when he would be calling for him and he was out in the neighborhood or something, he would call him by his Hebrew name, Shmuel. He goes, Shmuel, Shmuel, come in, time for dinner, Shmuel. He goes, Don't call me that. I'm not Shmuel, I'm Steven. Like, but that's mm. your Hebrew name, Shmuel. And he said, when I was making Schindler's List, it made me more proud of my Jewish faith. Good for him. And there was a story, okay, this is kind of a little morbid, but kind of funny. Um, he had a lot of friends. He, his family had a lot of friends who were Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And you know the um, tattoos they had on their arms? Yes. He actually said, and this is kind of cryptic, he actually said, we didn't have Sesame Street in those days. Those, That's actually how I learned how to count. That's sad. But here's the funny part, though. His, It's kind of funny, but it's kind of messed up. He had a family friend, and Steven Spielberg was like, Ray. and he goes, hey, you want to see a magic trick? And he goes, look, now it's a nine? Now it's a six. And he would like bend his arm and goes, now it's a nine. Now it's a six. Now it's a nine. Now it's a six. Okay, I just want to say, I'm not making fun of anyone who survived the Holocaust. I'm not making fun of that at all. Just want to say for that note. 
Yeah. But I'm just going off of what he says because I was three years old and I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. But this movie really... And, you know, this actually... This actually, um, he actually started a foundation called the Survivors of the Shoah Foundation after this movie oh, yeah. was released. And and um, and one more thing before we move on, um, his best director when he won the Academy Award for this, yeah, his speech, I still get choked up when I hear it because at the end he says. And this is for the six million who couldn't be watching tonight over this, who couldn't be watching this broadcast tonight. Thank you. And and when he won Best Picture, you know, he first by starting, this is the biggest, this is the biggest drink of water after the longest drought in my life. And because it took him years to win an Oscar. Yeah, long time. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to make this very quick. There's only so many Holocaust survivors around today. Please teach the Holocaust in your schools. Don't let it be just a historic footnote. Teach it that it happened. And yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. And I'm sorry I went on and on about this, but um, you're good. You're always good. But this was a good film. Oh, this was a great film. And again, I think it's very difficult to watch. Yes, I agree. It's a very difficult film to watch. But you know what? I think it's an important film to watch. Any history teachers watching, show this in your history class. Yeah, if you're listening to this as well, check it out. You might feel uncomfortable watching it, but it needs to be watched. I agree. Okay, what's your next one? We're down to our last two, buddy. The last two. Uh, All right, you ready? Ready. We just did a movie commentary on this movie. Guess what? No freaking the second time tonight. One, two, three. All righty. This is your number two. This is my number two. Uh, we can talk about it together then, buddy. How about that? Jaws. And I just want to give a shout out to your father because remember when once we did when we did the summer blockbuster. Bracket and this didn't win. Yeah. He gave us a good old fashioned tongue wagon. Yeah, my dad kind of ripped us apart saying, How could you not say this? Because Jaws literally cut down a recreational sport known as swimming. Um, yeah, you know, this shut down a he goes, How could you not put this? This movie shut down swimming. People never went swimming again after they saw this movie. They literally never did. They and shut it, down I, a whole summer activity. <laughs> We sometimes I, I like to go back and look at movie trailers as some of you may or may not know. And I watched the trailer for this and I looked at the comment section and some people were like old enough to say, oh, yeah, I remember. Being in the theater in 1975 and being terrified. So again, and you know what? This really brings up an interesting question. What's scarier, what you see or what you hear? I think it's both. And you know who I've had this conversation with? Who? Dr. Matt Hemsley. Uh, we're bringing yeah, up Dr. Matt Hemsley a lot. Yeah, I hope he doesn't mind. That's no, fine. But you know when I told him, actually? Because he never saw this movie. And we got one word for you, doctor. Yeah. Get Shark! 
Shame. Get on it, Matt. Jesus. No, but anyway, you know what I told him? I said, I don't know if he did this. Said, watch this. Watch one of these scenes when the shark is coming. Watch it with the sound, and then watch it without the sound. Okay. He. I don't know if he did it, but. But yeah, but no, like the acting is great. Yes. I think I told you what my favorite scene is when they're at the, when they're on the beach and they're, te- and when they find out after going to Ben Gardner's boat. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it goes, it's a great white. And the mayor's like, well, you don't understand our problems. Our summer tourist money go, we got to hide. We can't just close the beaches. We got to hire someone to kill the shark. And. And and the mayor is just, and he goes, if you let, and I love this line to death, it's like ringing the dinner bell. Literally. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, and, um, and, and you want to know something, um, you know that, um, that scene, the 4th of July scene when they're on the beach and there's a TV reporter? Yeah. That TV reporter is actually the author of the book. Oh, I didn't know that. Peter Blanche, he's the off that that was him. So what has this been? With Bill. With Bill. Ow. Love it. And then yeah, but it's just and of course, one of the greatest quotes ever. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Yes, we're gonna need a bigger boat. And smile, you son of a bitch. Blows him up. It's such a great movie. It's just so great. It's so great. I love Brody. I love Hopper. I love Quinn. Just saying, I I know this this is both our picks for this one. I just want to shed some light for a second. There's a scene in this movie. We, when we did our movie commentary, check it out. Um, the part where where it's just Quint, the I forget the Richard Dreyfus character's name all of a sudden, but Hopper, Hopper, Brody, and Quint are all on the boat, and they're just having a talk about the Indianapolis. The dialogue and the way that scene is executed made one of the best scenes in cinematic history. Like the shark, the shark, the shark. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene where Quint is just talking about like being on the, being on the Indianapolis, being on the boat that, you know, the, the, the naval ship that went down and people were eaten by sharks. That is a, an incredible scene. We did a, a, a Check out our movie commentary we did on our YouTube channel for Jaws, and we talk about that scene during the time. Um, just check it out. We, we did some stuff on it recently, but it's a really and just incredible scene, truthfully. And Steven Spielberg, one of his earliest films. And, of course, the classic nail scratch. The Oh, yeah, on the chalkboard. Yeah. And a um, couple... Weird facts. I did not read the book, but I watched a YouTube video explaining the difference between the book and the movie. Yeah. As I said in the um in the commentary, everyone is unlikable in the book. You're basically rooting for the shark. Pretty much, yeah. And 
And like, here's the thing. Brody's wife in the book actually had an affair with Hopper. Yeah, you you mentioned that in the movie commentary, yeah. And uh, yeah, that uh, famous scene, the smile, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't in the book. You know what literally happens? What? The pe- the shark just passes out and dies from exhaustion. Oh, really? That's anticlimactic. That's very anticlimactic. Yeah, but you know what did happen? though? Yeah, Quint get, dies, but Hopper actually in the book dies, too. Really? Yeah, the shark eats him. Oh, wow. And Brody was the only one that survived. Wow. Like, like if you saw in the in the in the movie, Brody is, you know. Yeah. And you're like going, yep, Hopper died. And but nope, Hopper survived. Yeah, so yes, Mr. Mahoney, we're giving Jaws its due. And watch, he's gonna your dad's gonna tongue wag us on this one because we didn't put it at number one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, he Dad. never lets us forget it. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Be like, it shut down a whole summer activity. It really did. People to this day still don't go swimming because of this movie. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I, I go to the ocean sometimes, and I'm afraid to go into this because thinking about this. Yeah. So, so, but Jaws, a stone cold classic in Hollywood history. Agreed. All right, the one that put Spielberg on the map. Yes. What is what is your number since since we both are the same one? Why don't you share your last number one and then I'll share my last number? Okay, one. my number one, JT. You guessed it right. Saving private Ryan. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I really do. If you saw last year on Memorial Day, I did a review of it. I did yep. nothing but gush about it. He really did. Check out our review on our YouTube channel, seriously. And the movie is based on a true story about, well, true, based on a true story. Yeah. Well, D-Day, it really did happen. Um, yeah, but a lot of the characters are fictional. But. Right. Anyway, it's June 6, 1944. Allied forces are landing on Normandy Beach. And the most realistic opening. The most realistic opening in film history. Yep. This film has been praised for its realism. But that can also be a bad thing. Because when this came out, this movie, it actually, the the veteran hotlines lit up after this movie because people were, were having PTSD flashbacks. Wow. That tells you something right there. But it really shows, like, the realism. Like, I was reading through comments on YouTube one time, and this one guy... He said, when I went to go see the movie live, there was this elderly cop, elderly couple in front of me, and the guy just broke out crying. And at the end of the movie, I went over to him and said, are you okay? And he goes, he goes, son, I was there. I was there. Wow. And... And um, I was listening to Joe Rogan one time, and I very rarely listen to Joe Rogan, but 
he had this like Navy seal on. He goes, what is the most realistic portrayal for us? Saving Private Ryan he goes, my grandfather, who's a World War II veteran, saw it. And he literally had to walk out of the theater. Wow. Because he was so reminded of it. And, but what I like about this, if you want to watch the review, but what I love about it is that war, okay, Tom Hanks is in it, Matt Damon's in it, and their acting is great. But it's not just about, you know, shooting each other up, blowing things up and watching people die. You also see a human element to it. Yeah. Like there is a scene when the soldiers are in this church and they're just chatting about, you know, how much they miss their families. You know, like, you know, people dying is a big part of war, but the big part of war is being away from your family, from your friends. And wondering if you're ever going to see them again. Absolutely. And there is a scene when they get into a fight and they're trying to guess what Tom Hanks character does throughout the movie. I'm a school teacher. I coach baseball. And, you know, listen, I don't care about Ryan. I don't know who Ryan is, but if he's going to be the one that's going to get me home to my wife, I'll do it. And throughout the whole movie, it's just, yeah, the violence is really graphic. And, okay, the starting point is, is, in the beginning of the movie, before the before the D Day, you see an old man at the Normandy Cemetery at a grave, and then it goes right into the story. Right. And then at the end of the movie, it turns out that old man is an elderly Private Ryan. Oh, I left something out. I'm sorry. A, a big detail out. Private Ryan, his saving. Pri- they're going now to save. Private James Ryan, who three of his brothers were killed, were killed in battle. And they send Tom Hanks and a bunch of other people to, well, go fetch him and save Private Ryan. But the end of the movie, Private Ryan is standing. It we turn we that gentleman. It turns out it was an elderly Private Ryan. And it turns out he's at the grave of Captain Miller, Tom Hanks' character. And he goes, I couldn't, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. And I can't thank you enough. And then his wife goes, James, what's wrong? Captain Thomas Miller. And he goes, please tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good man. You're a good man. And then when they're walking away from his grave, Private Ryan turns around and gives the grave a salute. And it's just... Okay, now, is this movie based on a true story? Yes and no. There were no real Private Ryan. There was, there was no James Ryan. There was no Peter Ryan. There was no Daniel Ryan. None of them existed. Um... It was based off of a situation of the Ryland brothers, which just like, which their younger one, which just like Private James Ryan, jumped into Normandy the night before the invasion. And they thought, but unlike the Ryans, the Ryland 
one of the bro, you know, one of the brothers comes home and they think he's the only one that survived, but another brother actually survived and he came home. And this was also based off loosely off the story of the Sullivan brothers, who were five brothers who were killed in World War II, which then, which then, um, which then instituted what's called the sole survivor policy. Like if a sibling and which is if a sibling is killed in battle, they are to retreat that person and send them home immediately. And and also, yeah, this movie critics raved about it and but but it led to the um it led to the biggest Oscar upset in history. Oh boy. This movie was a favorite. This movie was the favorite to win Best Picture. And what won in its place? Well, Steven Spielberg did win for Best Director. Right. It ended up losing to Shakespeare in Love. That's a mistake. Yeah, you know who we can thank for that? Thanks, Oscars. No, someone even worse. Who? He is literally one of the worst human beings on the face of the earth. Who? Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. Thanks. In more ways than one. Um, Yeah, right. No, because he was a producer of Shakespeare in Love, and he basically strong-armed a lot of the Academy members. And... And was saying, mm, I don't think Private Ryan is that good as people says it is. Well, no, there was a time when Harvey Weinstein was the most powerful man in Hollywood. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but um, yeah, we we don't need to go in with what happened with him. But anyway, um, but but you know what? This really shows you. And we've I we've talked about this before, JT. Do movies really need accolades to be considered great? No, a great movie can be a great movie. Ted Williams, who is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, never won yep. a World Series. Correct. He's, in my in my mind, he's top five, hands down, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Absolutely. But, and like, you know what? Like, here's the thing. Saving private... People today still remember Saving Private Ryan. I've never even heard of the other one you said. Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, I mean, I've heard, maybe I've heard of it once, but yeah. Shakespeare in Love was basically the how the same on the same picture of how green was my valley. Which for those who oh, know right. that was the movie that beat Citizen Kane. And the only thing it's known for is that it beat Citizen Kane. It's not known for anything else. And that's the same right. thing with Shakespeare in Love. It's known for beating Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> exactly. Like, they had a former Academy members who did, who revisited controversial decisions. If they were to vote again, they would have voted for Private Ryan. Wow. Because, but you know what? It's like, even though it did not win Best Picture, it kind of did win Best Picture once you think about it. Because... I think this movie had more of an impact on people than Shakespeare and Love did. I agree. Like, people remember the movie. People people consider this one of the greatest war movies of all time. Or the greatest. And you know what? 
it has emotion. It has action. It has the realism. And Spielberg, and you know what this just shows? When I talk about movies like Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, Spielberg, this is what's so great about Steven Spielberg. He can do the serious movies. He can do the Private Ryan's. He can do the Schindler's List. He can do the Lincoln's. He can do the Post. He can do anything. He can do, even though I haven't seen all of it, he can do the West Side Story. But he can do the E.T. He can do the Indiana Jones. He's a he goat. Can, he can do the Jurassic Park. He can do the fun stuff, too. He can do comedy this is drama. why he is probably the greatest director of all time. Absolutely. Because he has a range. He can do it. He's not just, you know, he doesn't just stick to one thing. He can, exactly. If, if you watched a fun movie, it would be just as good as a serious movie. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. But that is Bill's number one pick. Is Saving Private Ryan. Watch his review on our YouTube channel. It's really good. Check it out. Thank you. All right. Last one of the night, right? Yep. You knew it was coming, Bill. Dum, dum, da, da, dum. It is... Da 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 My singing is terrible tonight. My favorite movie in the whole entire world. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, get educated right now. You're going to be schooled tonight. This is my favorite movie of all time. This is my favorite movie of all time. And it's not called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the retitling of it. It is called Raiders of the Lost Ark. To me, this is a perfect movie directed by an incredibly perfect director known as Steven Spielberg. Now, for those of you who are wondering what's Raiders of the Lost Ark, do yourself a favor and go to Google right now and just Google Raiders of the Lost Ark and you will understand the importance of this incredible action-adventure film. This movie is Harrison Ford's like post Star Wars role in a sense. It's this. It's he's known for Han Solo, but he's also known to as Indiana Jones. One of the best movies of all time. The movie itself is about an archaeologist adventurer named Indiana Jones, Doctor Indiana Jones, to be exact. And what he does is he is recruited by the government to it takes place in the 30s during the Great Depression or like pre-World War II. And Raiders of the Lost Ark is about an archaeologist named Indiana Jones, and he is hired by the government to work and track down a super secret weapon that the Nazis are targeting to possibly use to take and help themselves out and win the war. Totally awesome premise. The super weapon they are looking for is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, now that for those of you who are not Catholic and don't know what that is, it is the sacred box that held the Ten Commandments. In the movie, you don't actually see the Ten Commandments, 
you only see like the same. You know, they never show inside the box really because inside the box is like very like you know, cloudy or whatever. You know what I mean? But that's towards the end of the movie. But this movie to me is a perfect film. Long story short, Indiana Jones stops Belloc or Baloche as they say in French. For those of you who know what I'm talking about. And he finds the Ark of the Covenant and they basically stop the Nazis from destroying a big chunk of Europe, truthfully. This is the movie that launched a franchise of comic books, of novels, of video games, of a world that George Lucas himself created known as the Indiana Jones franchise. Why is it still relevant today? Why is it regarded as one of the best films of all time? Because Steven Spielberg directed it, number one. Number two, it's George Lucas's creation and an idea. And number three, Harrison Ford did an incredible job acting as Indiana Jones. Um, I freaking frick frack snick snack, give a dog a bone. Love this movie. It is my favorite installment in the franchise. Because with it, it could technically be a standalone movie if you really think about it. Because they built. And let me guess, the fourth one doesn't exist. I'm getting to that. So basically, we all know that there, there was a fourth film in 2008 after Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. Last Crusade is the definitive ending, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to get into it, but Spielberg also directed that one too. I'm extraordinarily curious to see where they go next year. Because Indiana Jones is back next year in theaters. In 2023, Harrison Ford will be back. They got the guy who directed Ford v. Ferrari and Logan to come in. Um, I forget that James Mangold. Um, he is directing the most recent, the, the upcoming Indiana Jones Untitled 5 film, whatever it's called. They've shot it already, and it's already in. I Harrison Ford looks great. He is also 80 years old, and I'm curious to see what they do with this franchise. Because they're, to me, they're touching sacred ground for me as far as Hollywood films go. But I love Raiders of the Lost Ark to death. I will defend this movie. I will fight for this movie. And I believe that if you really, truly believe out there, if you, for those of you out there, like some people went into archaeology because of this movie. Some people, be, some people became scientists or adventurers or people who go on safaris because of this movie. It's an incredible milestone film known as Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love it to death. It is one of the best movies of all time. How could you not love it? And the people who don't love it, just leave. You don't belong here. And you know you what? This really showed, and I've said this before, after yeah. Spielberg was nominated for Jaws, they asked him, yeah. what's your next project? And he goes, I want to do James Bond. He goes, you can't do James Bond. I'm the Brits do James Bond. Yeah. So Indiana Jones was kind of a American James Bond. Yeah, they, they basically took James Bond and George Lucas, the genius of George Lucas. I mean, you, you can say what you want about him in whatever way, but he's a genius, George Lucas. George Lucas created his own James Bond, created a world around him that could be cohesive and work with different storylines and whatnot. But you know, I, I I think George Lucas wanted to do his own James Bond, and this was his creation. Because if you look at it, it really is like a James Bond type movie. There's certain traps, there's certain gizmos, there's a villain, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, 
I think this is the American James Bond in its own aspect, personally. And I love, have I said I love this movie enough? <laughs> like, I love this movie to death. <laughs> so it is my favorite movie of all time. Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite film in the entire world. I love it to death. Don't Bill, don't. any other yeah. comments at all for Raiders of the Lost Ark before we end for tonight? It's just a fun movie. It really is. But I will say it's not my favorite Indiana Jones. Your favorite is The Last Crusade. Yep. The end- I like I love this one too, but I like Last Crusade. Last Crusade is the it's the perfect trilogy if you think about it. So, I know there's only three. I'm I'm I am morbidly curious to see how they do the fifth one that comes out next. I'm really really curious. I mean, if this is my favorite movie of all time, of course I'm going to go see the fifth one. Of course I want to see how they handle it, and maybe they're going to pass the fedora off. We'll have to wait and see. I wonder if they're going to bring Shia LaBeouf back. No. Thank God he's not in the cast. Thank God. They're try- I think they're trying to erase Crystal Skull because that was a mistake. But um, the story was kind of cool, but the, the way they all it came out was not the not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. But um, but listen, ultimately, guys, those are our picks for our top five. Ish. In this case, five ish Steven Spielberg movies. We want to thank you all for watching, listening. However, you enjoyed us tonight. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to our podcast and our show in general. Bill, you have another podcast that you will check out the Sports Insanity podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. We are on all platforms. They are, and I, I contend this every time we do the show. The Sports Insanity Network does an incredible job all the time. I love what they do. They are an incredible job for sports. Check them out on all platforms. And if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, we do plenty of other content as far as movies, television shows, music, you name it, and our regular show, Mixed Bag, and career retrospectives on Monday nights. This was on Thursday night. Thank you for understanding our patience. Yeah, we, we, had, both, uh, we had some things we had to take care of. We had personal week, so. matters we had to take care of yesterday. And that's and I hope you understand. Forgive us for that. But and, but don't worry, you're gonna be with Bill on August and on the Wednesday, August seventeenth for his, uh, him and him and a guest co-host for their own show because I'm going to a concert that night. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So it's gonna be me and me and Justin, me possibly Justin and maybe possibly Allie. You remember her from the um? Yes, Allie was on our show for our top ten SpongeBob episodes. So uh, we're gonna. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but. It's going to be another top 10 for another show. So uh, just have to wait and see Two weeks it's going to be. Two weeks now, you're going to love that show. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching, listening. Have you enjoyed us tonight? And uh, as always, 